Uh, good morning. My name's Brian. Um, for those of you who are, thank you. Some of you have been, anyway. Uh, yeah, good morning. Um, I'm obviously not Max. Max is back with us, which we're glad for. Yay. Yes, yes, glad Max. If you don't know, if you're visiting with us, thank you for being here. Max, our senior pastor, has been on sabbatical, and he's just back, and we're giving him one more week uh, where he doesn't have to preach, um, and he'll be back uh, preaching next week. If, um, if you're here for Max, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, hopefully you'll put up with me today. Uh, I um, am one of the elders here. I also help lead youth ministry, and so one of the things I have to do as uh, somebody in charge of youth ministry is I have to invite you all to serve in youth ministry. Now, I don't want all of you to show up to everything we do with teenagers because some of you are grumpy and whatever else, but I am going to indoctrinate you all into your role in youth ministry, okay? So there are two things I need you to do, okay? Hold up two fingers so you remember. Two things I need you to do. Number one, Okay, you ready? You can do this. I know you have a mask on, but it's okay. Smile, okay? Smile at your neighbor. Smile. Just to practice. Smile. You can smile with your eyes. Here's what I need you to do. Anytime you see a teenager, instead of doing what most people do, which is this, <clears throat> you know, I want you to smile at them. That's it. Just smile. And if you're feeling really brave, you can even try this. Hi. That's it, okay? Smile and hi. All right, everybody with me so far? All right, you guys are my cheerleading team. The second thing I need you to do, you can go like this just to remind yourself, is just to pray. If you would pray for us. It is not easy to be a teenager today. It's never been easy. <laughs> but I'm just here to tell you that the challenges today are greater than ever. So I just, I hope that you would pray for us and with us with that. Um, today we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there. It will be on the screen as well. But I want to say a word of prayer as we get started, if you bow your heads and hearts with me. Gracious God, thank you for today. Thank you for Generations Community Church. Thank you for this place where you have placed us and this time that you have placed us. Pray that you would help us to be strong and courageous, to not have a spirit of fear, as we sang earlier, that you would invite us into something bigger. Pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Good. Uh, have you ever met your hero before? Have you ever met your hero, like a hero that you had? Have you ever met this person? Now, they say you shouldn't meet your heroes. Um, the first time I remember meeting somebody, that was sort of super real. I didn't really meet them. I was like six years old. And I was at this convention with my mom and dad. I have no idea what the convention was. But I remember it was in Detroit, Michigan at Cobo Hall. And we were walking through the convention center. And uh, my mom says, hey, Brian, she's holding my hand, I'm pretty sure. She said, hey, Brian, look, there he is. And riding on the back of a, of a golf cart through the convention center, I'm going to say a name most of you aren't going to know, but was Mr. Green Jeans. All right, the old people are like, yes, we know. If you <laughs> now, when I was a little kid, I watched the show. So my parents uh, were not pro-television at all, but every once in a while, if I got together my stuff together before school really early and bothered my mom enough, then she might turn on Captain Kangaroo in the morning, and I might be able to watch my favorite character on the show was, was, uh, was Mr. Green Jeans. And um, Captain Kangaroo was this show. It was a real person. He's a real person, not animated or anything. Anyway, so the, he was riding on the back of this golf cart, and if, if my memory serves me right, he was eating a sandwich while he was riding on the back. And I just remember, like, I didn't talk to him. I... I just saw him in person in flesh and blood eating a sandwich, and I was like, he's real. Like, he's a real person. Like, it just, 
it just took me to a whole nother place. So maybe you've been in that spot before. I share that to say this, that the Bible is a book in context, always talking about people, real people. So if you read the Bible very much, you'll see this. It says all the time, and make sure you know, so-and-so is the son of so-and-so, and they live in this particular place. Because the Bible wants to make sure that we are clear that they're not just talking about stories, that these are real people, a, a book in context. And so we're going to talk a little bit about context today. It's the thing about the Bible that I find kind of the most inspiring in many ways is that the people in the Bible are real people like you and me. So turn to your neighbor and say like you. Go ahead, turn to your neighbor and say like you. Turn to your other neighbor and say like you. The people in the Bible are like us, right? And so this is good news. Now it's hard to see this sometimes because the places are so far away. The names are often a little weird, right? Because we don't use a lot of those names now. And the people are from a long time ago. But as we jump in today, I hope that you'll catch this, that we're talking about people in context. Now that's going to be important in a minute. So let me give you some context. So if we can back way up in the story, God called this guy Abram. He said, leave the land that you're in and, and go to this new land. I ha and so for whatever reason, Abram trusted God. And he began this journey, and God entered into a covenant with Abram, this, this, this lifelong commitment with Abram, and he said this, basically, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a, let's try it again, bless you so that you will be a blessing, say it, blessing, so bless you so you will be a blessing, yeah. And so the idea was this, that, that God wouldn't just bless him and show favor to Abram because he's super special, he wouldn't just show them the, the handshake and give him the decoder ring or whatever, <laughs> Um, he, just so he could be a part of a club. He did that so that Abram and Abram's descendants could be a blessing to the rest of the world. So that they could, stay with me, this, this phrase is going to be important, so that they could share and show God's love to the rest of the world. So Abram has a son, and his son's name is Isaac. Isaac has a son, his name is Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons, and eventually they, they carry the same covenant with God. They're in the same relationship. And eventually, they're wandering around. Eventually, because the land they're in has a, has a famine, there's drought, they go to Egypt to find food. And there, what happens is they become enslaved by the Egyptians. 400 years later, God frees them from that slavery. And so here we are, 500 years pretty much, God's people have been homeless. And so God has to teach his people what it's like to have a home and to be free. And so here's where we'll pick up in the story. So uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. I'm going to pause right there. So Joshua, whose son is he? Son of Nun. <laughs> which there's a whole who's on first thing you had to imagine in kindergarten, right? <laughs> whose son are you? None. So you, right. Who, all right, so who's your dad? None. So you're saying you have none dad. That's correct, <laughs> right? There's a whole thing there. But here he is, son of none, and it's trying to, trying to tell us something. He's a person in a time, and it's trying to remind us of who Joshua is. Now, earlier in the story, we know some things about Joshua. When God's people first came out of slavery... Another group of people tried to enslave them, to try to take them over, the Midianites. 
And the Israelites had to fight against them. And Joshua's job, this same Joshua, his job was to lead the army while Moses prayed. And so that he had one job there. Later on in the story, we find Joshua in a couple other places. One of the times he's a spy, one of the people that goes into the land. Joshua, at another point, is a, is a helper. As it says in this verse, he, he was a helper to Moses. He was his assistant. That word in the Hebrew literally means servant or minister to. So it's the idea that he was right there next to Moses all the time. Now, just so you remember who Moses is, because we're talking about people in context, Moses was the one who God used to lead those people out of slavery. Is that a big deal? Do you think people looked up to Moses? Probably, yeah. And Moses is the same one when he, when he raised his staff, the seas parted. He's the same one. He used the same staff to hit a rock and water came out. The same one, right, over and over, God began to work through and speak through. The same one who actually was in God's presence and God gave him the Ten Commandments. This is that Moses so Joshua had to feel a little bit like, I don't know if I really stack up here. Anybody ever feel like you're not sure you add up? You're not worth it? Anybody? Yeah, of course. All right, verse 2. He said, the Lord says to Moses, Moses, my servant, is dead. The one you've been following, the one who led you out of slavery, is dead. So it had to be a, a significant moment for Joshua, this one who's walked with him. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given to you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, to the, from the Euphrates in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you. Hear this phrase. As long as you live, for I will be with you, as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. I will not fail you or abandon you. God's basically saying this. I remember my promises. Do you? He's saying, take the step. Take the step. Which leads to an interesting question. Why does God want to give people this land? Why is it important for them to find a home for the first time? So let me ask you, what, why is home, what is home for you? Just really quick, some people just yell it out. What, what, is, what is home for you? What makes something home? Family. Okay, so your family is there. That's where home is. Good. Somebody else, what makes home home? Welcome. You're welcome. Great. What else? Food. Especially your food. I have a friend, I asked him, I was asking some people this week, what makes home home? And he said, I know I'm home if I can just get up and go take something out of the refrigerator without asking. <laughs> right? Yeah, food. What else? Safe place. Yeah, absolutely. A place where you feel secure enough. And I know some people have grown up in houses that haven't been homes. But what makes something a home? Somebody else said, uh, I know it's home when I can sing as loud as I want, as off-key as I want, whenever I want. <laughs> I definitely sing off-key every time, so wherever that is, maybe that's home, I don't know. Uh, another friend said, um, you know, the, the always popular phrase, home is where the heart is, right? Somebody else said, uh, I know I'm home because home is where I pull the weeds. 
I don't pull weeds at anybody else's house. <laughs> I, I do stuff at, I do lots of stuff at other people's house, but I never pull their weeds. So that's how I know that's home. Somebody else said it's home when I put my art on the wall, right? We have some values up on the wall here because this is our home. What makes it home? Somebody else said, I know it's home because that's where I can invite people to come. Whatever it is for you, that's important. But I want you to see this. God gave his people a land and a home for a very specific reason. See, for God, the purpose of this was his presence. It was the place where he would be with them. Now stay with me. This phrase is going to keep coming up. It was a place for them to invite people so that they could see, they could show God's love and share God's love. Turn to your neighbor and say, show God's love. Go on, say it, come on. Turn to your other neighbor and say, share God's love. Yeah, show God's love, share God's love. And it was also a place from which they could leave to show God's love and share God's love and then return again, a place in safety. This is a land. And so God is saying, take the step. I know the promises I've given. Do you remember those promises? All right, context one. Let's talk about where we are today at Generations. So we obviously are in a time of COVID, yes? And whether we're done with COVID or not, it's not done with us. <laughs> and so, but we're learning how to kind of function in this time. Is that fair to say? Right, we're learning maybe to be wise and careful and safe, of course, but also we're learning what it's like to kind of navigate life again despite COVID, right? So we're in this reality. We're also in a particular place, just like Joshua and the Israelites were in a place. We're in a place. We're two years ago, almost two years ago to the day, almost, we moved in here to this space. And then COVID hit, and obviously we couldn't really use it very much. But God has put us in a particular neighborhood. We're in Jessamine County, yes? And we're in Nicholasville, and we're in a specific neighborhood. And you individually are all in places too. You're in families, yes? And work and school and neighborhoods. God has put us in a place. So we're here. We're also just to name it in this interesting place where Max is returning from a sabbatical. And in that time, he's learned some things. He's going to share some of that over the next few weeks. And we've learned some things. <laughs> One of the things we learned is Max knows all the passwords. <laughs> so, not anymore, not anymore. <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> yeah, we've learned some things, yeah. And he's learned some things. But here's part of what I want you to see in the midst of our context. I just want to name this if I can for a minute. That things are different. And you know this, and you feel this in your life, right? From where we were two years ago, are things any different in your life? Of course they are. Of course they are. Are they different here at Generations? Of course they are. And if I can name this for us today, and this is really where I want you to, to, to be with me, that I believe that God is giving this, this, in this moment, a unique opportunity and invitation. And I want to be so bold as to offer this, that maybe God is giving us, as a community, this neighborhood and this place. And we can watch, and we often do. I see our eyes sometimes on Sunday morning get distracted by the people who walk by on their way to what we affectionately call Ghetto Kroger. <laughs> but maybe God has given us this place, not to conquer and dominate, but do you remember that, those two phrases, to 
show God's love and share God's love. And maybe part of what God is asking and inviting us into in this particular time is to invite people in to this place so they can experience and see God's presence lived out among a peculiar people. And we are a bit odd, aren't we, generations? Can I get an amen? (laughs) Yeah. But also for them to experience a love shared that maybe they haven't experienced before. And maybe can I suggest as well that maybe right now is a unique opportunity in your life as individuals. That maybe God wants to do something in your life and maybe right now, even as we're talking about this, God will bring to mind somebody that you are at work with or at school with or, or maybe somebody that lives near you, down the street from you, who God's saying, what if you were to show and share God's love with them? God's giving us an opportunity if we can be strong and courageous, if we're willing to say yes. So the question really is this, if I can just name it. Do we trust God? Do we believe that he really is who he says he is? Those of us who've been around generations for a while, we know what it's like to sort of wander (laughs) from place to place, right? We didn't have our own place. And so we sat up and tear down every week. Some of us were on those crews and we lost fingernails and other parts sometimes. And right, we, we know what that's like. But God, we really felt very clearly God was giving us this space. And can I say to you, it's not just so that we can have a cool place to hang out, but maybe it's a space for us to extend this love, to offer, to show and share God's love for the neighborhood around us. Context, this place. Let me go back to this text again. I want to pick up the story and see where it goes. There's some interesting things that happen here. Verse 6, God's still talking to Joshua and he says this, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Remember, he's saying, I remember my promises. Be strong and very courageous. He repeats it again. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. This is not a prosperity gospel, by the way. What he's saying is this. You're going to be successful in showing and sharing God's love in everything you do. Study this book of instructions continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. And then he says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Does anybody in here love change? Well, if it's the change that I do, yes. (laughs) If it's my kind of change. But we all struggle with change. Is that fair? And if we can just name it, right now we're in this season of change. And there are some things that are undoubtedly a bit scary. Just like Joshua and the Israelites had no idea about this land that God was going to give them, what was really there. I mean, they had sent some spies in, and they knew a little, but they didn't really know, right? And we don't really know either. But what God's asking us to do is to take the step. Be strong and courageous. And sometimes, is it going to be scary? Oh, yeah. 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 But God will be with us. So I want you to see what happens in this story later on. 
So this interesting thing uh, they would do during this particular time in this part of the world, they would do this interesting thing where if, if somebody in a community was accused of something or came forward with a claim that seemed sort of crazy or whatever, then they would do this thing called trial by water. And this is what they do. So let me pick on Ian for a second. Ian's my friend. Wave your hand, Ian, so everybody knows who you are. This is my friend, Ian. Everybody say, hi, Ian. So let's imagine Ian, for example, is whatever. He's saying something crazy, and we're not sure that he's telling the truth. So this is what we would do. We would take Ian. We would take him to the largest body of water near us, and we would throw him in the middle. And if Ian could swim and survive survive that encounter, then he was innocent or he was correct. That was their trial. And if he drowned and died, then he obviously was wrong. (laughs) All right? That's, That's the way they did it. That's the way they did it. All right, this was... One of the ways they tested to see if things were right and true. So now I want you to see this, what happens, and we're just going to skip ahead in the story a little bit. You can read it later if you haven't read it before. But God says to Joshua and his people, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this Ark of the Covenant, this, this thing you saw in Indiana Jones, but this thing where, where, where God would come and sit, and then they would carry this around. It had some artifacts, and it was really important to them. And he basically said this, here's what I want you to do. I want, want you to take that, and just march straight into the river that's between you and this land I'm promising you. A trial by water. I want you to step into it and see what happens. And so they step into it, and most of you know the story. What God does is he stops the water. Where the water's coming from, it just walls up, and the water just continues on down into the Dead Sea, the rest of it, and the ground becomes dry, and God's people walk across God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. So here we are at this place, this invitation, this opportunity. So what does this mean for us? Well, um, I'm not saying that we're going to change a whole bunch of things crazy radically here at Generations, but what I am saying is this. I think God is giving us an opportunity to do something right here, right now in this space and in this time, in this context. And God's promise that he will be with us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it's really interesting. Paul's writing this letter to the Corinthians. And one of the things the Corinthians struggled with is they weren't sure they had what it takes to really do what they felt like Paul and God was asking them to do. And Paul basically says this, right here, right now, you have everything you need. And I want you to hear that. Right here, right now, we have everything we need, generations, to do what God is calling us to do. The question is, will we say yes? Invitation, opportunity. Will we as a church begin to pray and begin to carefully consider what God might be calling us to do here? And some of that might be programmed, but hear me say this. We need to be more about people than program. Can I get an amen on that? We need to be more about people. We talk about being a family. We need to be more about people than programming. And maybe for some of us, it's just getting to know some people in this neighborhood. Or maybe it's extending an invitation to somebody at work or at school near you to show and share God's love. So we're going to sing a song here in just a minute. I'm going to pray, and then they're going to come up, and we're going to sing. And, and in the midst of that, I just want to challenge you to prayerfully consider, God, what are you maybe inviting me to do? 
And maybe you've been kind of hanging out with generations for a little while and you're sort of sitting on the fringes and you're not really sure where to go. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to say, here's what I think God might be inviting me into. That'd be great. And maybe you've been around for a little while. Maybe, maybe God's trying to encourage you to think about something different or maybe God's encouraging you to take another step. I just want to challenge you to, to say yes. The question again isn't about you. It's about God. Do you trust God? Do you believe he is who he says he is? Will you take that step? Will you pray with me? Gracious God, you're good. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, for what he means to us, for the ways he's changed us and invited us into this different and special kind of life. Thank you that you're the God who is with us, even in the midst of our fear, even in the midst of our doubts, even in the midst of our concerns. God, I pray that today you would challenge us as a community to step into this place in this context in this time to say yes to this land you're giving us in order that we could share and show your love to the world around us in this space and this time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you sing it?